Hello, friends, and welcome to the Kindred Life Podcast. I'm your host, Christine Marie Bailey, a regenerative farmer, author, wife, and mom, and I'm so glad you're here. Join me each week as I share encouraging and faith-filled stories, prompts, challenges, and conversations that will breathe life into your days and moments so you can dig more deeply into a life of connection right where you are. Do you want to live more bravely, purposefully, and connected to the people and tangible experiences that matter most? Then listen in. Welcome back, my friends, to the Kindred Life Podcast. I'm so glad to be here again with you today. So what's happening on the farm today? Well, it is late September now, so things are really starting to shift here. There's a golden glow in the trees, not that pure green color of summer anymore, but the farm is still covered with flowers. And so I am soaking it up for these last several weeks before the first frost, which normally happens around the end of October here in Middle Tennessee. So um, I actually have a whole new um, meadow of tiny little zinnias that have bloomed. And my youngest daughter keeps going out there and picking these adorable little mini zinnia bouquets that she puts in a little jam in a jam jar and we have those pretty much all around our house right now um but it looks like a thunderstorm might be rolling in so we'll see we'll see if we start hearing that in the background um i am up in the barn studio today here on the farm um if you've been listening to the podcast for a while you know that this is where i record most of our inside episodes i can see the entire farm outside the five foot picture window up here I do hope we get a little bit of rain because earlier this morning, I planted, I don't even know how many thousands of wildflower seeds. So I know that I've mentioned in a few of the episodes lately that we are building a brand new event barn here on the farm. And this is our big project we're working on right now. Hopefully it'll be done in early winter. But anyway, the area is completely excavated at the top of the hill where we normally have our farm dinners. And, um... It is going to be incredible. So the the space has been leveled. Um, it's still up on a hill with a gorgeous 365 degree view of Santa Fe rolling hills and a view of the farm and the wildflower fields. But it's all dirt right now. They've moved all this dirt. It's actually pretty miraculous how the machinery moves the dirt. And there's really like a science and engineering to the formations that they're making and the way that they are shaping the hillside for drainage and things like that. So anyway, it is so much dirt at the top of the hill. This was the perfect opportunity to go ahead and plant wildflowers that we seed right now in fall, but they will not sprout until early spring. So as I was walking through that dirt this morning and It was kind of meditative, just um, constantly walking back and forth in these rows and sprinkling the seeds. And I was just imagining what it was going to look like. Um, Right now, it's really hard to see because it's just a blank hill of dirt. But we have so many visions of all the beautiful things that are going to happen at this event barn and all the people that will get to experience kindred and community in new ways and enhanced ways than what we've already been doing. 
And it's just such an, a rare opportunity that we have to plant something and not see the fruit of it for a very long time. And I think that's something really, really important and special that we get to partake in. Um, I know that a lot of us in our daily lives feel like we are working really hard for something and we're not seeing the fruit of it yet. So I just want to encourage you with that today that um, just trust. Trust that the goodness is coming. Trust the goodness of the journey that you're on. And if you sow good things and you take care of the things in your life and nourish them well, you will see a harvest later. So I look forward to that moment in spring when black-eyed Susans and coneflowers start popping up all over the hillside. And there's a barn there and rocking chairs and fire pit and all kinds of beautiful spaces where people can gather and connect. But let's go ahead and jump right in to part three of my fall gathering series. And I am so glad that you guys are here and that you're listening. If you haven't already, please go back and listen to part one and part two of this series. You're going to want to start at the beginning because I kind of lay out what exactly we're doing here and why is it important. So just a reminder of what I'm inviting you into this fall. I want you to make a meal together with friends and I want you to enjoy that meal outside around the table together. We are going to have a new part in this series every week. So we'll have a few more parts in the series. This is part three. And we're going to be leading up to the week of October 14th. That is when our big fall farm dinner is happening here on Kindred Farm. And so I thought it'd be a fun week to end the series. Um, but this is something that you can plan to do in your space anytime this fall. So before we go any further, I want you to think of a friend who might be interested in joining you in this, or just maybe it's someone across the country who you don't get to see often, but you know this would be their jam. Would you send this episode to them? Um, that would be so amazing. I just want to keep getting more and more people on board with this vision because I truly believe it's a beautiful one and it's a life-changing one to open yourself up, to gather people together, even if it's just a few people. It doesn't have to be a large group, but there's something beautiful that happens around the table when you're vulnerable and you welcome people in and you see what unfolds. Okay, so we have already talked about what I'm asking you to do. Who do you even invite to this? And today we're going to be talking about where. We're going to be talking about the setting. Oh, and here comes the rain. So maybe you guys can hear that in the background. And you'll see that that's actually very timely for some of the things I'm going to be talking about in this episode. But where do you have a gathering like this outside? And how do we overcome the challenges related to our space and the tables that we have available to us? Okay, if you're wondering any of these things and you're feeling like maybe those are roadblocks or excuses for why you can't do this this fall, I've got you. Let me paint a picture for you. And this is perfect that it's raining right now because one of the greatest lessons that I have ever had regarding the struggles that come with not feeling like you have the perfect setting, this happened for me right before our spring 2019 Kindred Dinner here on the farm. I'm going to read you a quick excerpt from my book, The Kindred Life, that tells you all about it. So we first started hosting farm dinners here on our land in Santa Fe, Tennessee in fall 2017. That was our first Kindred Dinner 
um, at a big long table, so long that you could not see the end, in the middle of our top pasture with all of the cooking done outside over an open fire, with all kinds of local produce and meats and fruit of the land that we had grown here on our farm and um, that other friends of ours who are farmers nearby had grown on their land. So starting with that fall 2017 dinner, every single one of our farm dinners had been perfect weather. But then came spring 2019, many dinners later, and we'd still had a perfect weather track record. On the scheduled evening of our spring dinner, the rain was finally coming. For days, we checked the weather apps obsessively until the moment we realized the storms were inevitable. I had crippling anxiety over how it would all unfold, not wanting to disappoint the guests who were paying for and expecting a wonderful experience. So our team went to work. With the help of so many hands, including both of Stephen's parents who were visiting from Texas, we moved machinery and equipment, we dug trenches for water to be rerouted, And we transformed our greenhouse, a place that had been covered in dirt 48 hours before, into a twinkle-lit room where more than 100 guests would be welcomed and served. At dinner time, the guests showed up with cheerful attitudes in the rain, with their rain boots and umbrellas, entrusting us with their evening, their time, and their hunger. As the night went on, all of us saw something extra special unfold. The level of connection was greater than we'd ever seen before at our dinners. The shared stories, the strangers becoming friends, and the camaraderie. In my shallow vision, I thought our best case scenario was that it wouldn't rain. But instead, God wanted to show me, and so many others, how beautiful and intimate and nourishing breaking bread together can be in the very midst of a storm. We'll never forget this night and what it taught us. No matter the weather, any setting can become a sacred space of connection with the willing hearts of those who are there. And that is so crazy, guys. It was just pouring the entire time I read that. And the second I stopped reading, the rain stopped. What on earth? I am loving like how nature is my soundtrack right now on these podcast episodes. So let's address one of the most common roadblocks that I hear about gathering people in your own space. And this is it. My space is not good enough. And here is my answer for you. It is. Done the end. We can stop this episode right now. But seriously, your space is good enough. And the reason I know this is because I have had some of the most sacred, beautiful, memorable meals of my life in the humblest environments, on a floor, on the dirt road of a village. And I've talked in some of the previous episodes about our urban condo that we lived in when we first got married that had these crazy floor-to-ceiling mirrors in the living room and this really old plush maroon carpet and a tiny little table where we couldn't even fit anyone around. So we just sat on the floor at the coffee table. Your space does not have to look a certain way to gather people. And like I shared in the story of the crazy rainstorm that came through at that kindred dinner, 
you guys, there was water pouring off the roof of the greenhouse the entire time. There was a row of umbrellas lined up on the inside. People were wearing wellies. And our precious events director, Amy Parman, she was squeegeeing the floor of the greenhouse. And you know what? People were sitting there with their feet in like an inch of water on the squishy bottom of this greenhouse floor. And nobody cared because... The environment there was one of welcome and gathering and great food and fun. And that's what really mattered in the end. And you know what? People still to this day who are at that dinner bring it up all the time. And how special of a memory it was because there's something that happens when you go through an experience like that with other people. And people bonded so quickly. They made new friends so quickly. And it's like we went through something together. We went through this cool and unique experience. So don't be afraid of it looking different. Don't be afraid of your environment not being like perfect weather, perfect setting and everything falling into place because that's not what truly matters in the end. One other example that I wanted to share with you is when I was single and living in Nashville with my roommate Suze and one Valentine's Day, we decided that we wanted to have a fun dinner with our friends. We had this big group of like 30 or 40 guys and girls And we all hung out together all the time. And so we thought, why don't we do something that we can all do together on Valentine's Day? So in our little Nashville um, duplex apartment, it was in a really old house. All our furniture was like hand-me-downs gathered together from like my old house and hers. And, you know, we had cobbled together a really cute apartment, but we didn't have space for all these people to come eat in in our place. So we decided that we were going to get every single table that we had in our entire house. So we pieced together our dining room table. We brought it into the living room and we lined it up in front of the fireplace. And then we got another table. I think we might have had some friends bring it like a folding table. We found any possible tablecloth or sheet that we could drape over it for a tablecloth. We lined them all up in front of the fireplace and it was very mismatched. It wasn't even even. We set up all the chairs we could find around the edges. I remember that one of them was a office chair with like wheels. (laughs) And we had one of the most memorable dinners. And we danced on all the open space on our floor from where the table was. And it was super fun night. So that's another memorable one of like just working with what you have. But let's talk about how to prepare your space for people because we have established that you do not need a perfect space, okay? We are not looking for Instagram-worthy, you know, all new furniture, all vintage, the perfect linens, you know, a gorgeous tablescape. None of that is necessary. Now, if that's your jam, great. Do it. Go all out if that's life-giving to you. But if it's not, if that feels stressful and overwhelming and that's keeping you from inviting people into your space, then please do not let that be an issue at all. I have had people in my home with literally toddler toys all over the ground or shoved in a basket in the corner, laundry in a basket in another corner. You know, it makes people feel welcome if they know that your normal life is lived in that space too. So no matter where you're gathering people, this is my philosophy. It does not have to be perfect, but do put some care into it. For example, if I'm having people over for dinner, you know, my kitchen is tiny. My floor is old and there's nothing I can do about it. It's not going to stop me right now from inviting people over. And I will not, you know, redecorate and make it look absolutely perfect where everything's in its place, but I will tidy up. I will 
fluff the pillows, vacuum the rug, sweep the floor, um, you know, make sure the bathroom's clean, put out a little candle or maybe an essential oils diffuser, make sure there's soap. Things like that make people understand that you've prepared a place for them. And it's okay if there's elements of your normal life scattered throughout. When this is a pre-planned event, this is different than, you know, people dropping by. Put some care into it so people know that you went through an effort to prepare a place for them. Now, Part of this challenge is I'm asking you to do your gathering outside. Now, of course, if you absolutely 100% cannot do it outside, that's fine. But here is why I'm asking you to try to do an outside gathering this fall. The reason is that the magic of eating under the stars is unmatched. And I know this again because I cannot even count how many dinners we've now hosted under the stars here. And Um, in cloudy weather, in weather with a beautiful sunset, in the rain under a covering of a greenhouse roof where you can still hear the rain and see it on the sides. There is just something about being connected to the land wherever you are, even if that's in a subdivision or somebody's garage in a neighborhood. To have that fresh air, to have the natural elements surrounding you and sharing a meal, I don't know, there's just something about it that's elemental. It brings us back to the beginning of time when people would share meals outside. As far as outside gatherings, we keep it very simple here. And right now, I am not talking about our kindred dinners, which are ticketed events. I'm talking about the gatherings we have with friends that are way more casual. I think that if you have candles, twinkle lights, and maybe some seasonal flowers, those are pretty much all you need to make a space feel special. Also, if possible, some kind of fire, if you can, Um, even if it's just a chimney or one of those like metal fire pit bowls that you can move anywhere outside. But overhead twinkle lights, some candles and a fire pit. And I always have some kind of fresh flower or plant out. That's pretty much all you need. So maybe you're listening to this and you're saying, "Okay, I live in an apartment. I don't even have room for five people in my house, much less a group, and I don't have a yard. Okay, that's totally fine. I'm going to give you some ideas for other outside gathering spaces. Why don't you look at local parks? There are so many local parks with nature trails um, or even just like playgrounds that have picnic tables. That's totally great. You can even do your gathering picnic style where everyone brings blankets and sits in a big group on the ground together for your dinner. And maybe bring one or two tables for the food to sit on. You can use another person's garage or yard. So like I said, link arms with a friend, someone else that you want to do this with who also has said yes and say, how can we do this together? Can we do it in your garage? Can we hang some Costco twinkle lights from the top of your garage to make it have more of a fun vibe? Can we like sweep it out together and like whatever next to your storage boxes and your ladders? Can we create a space where tables could go in here and we can put some cute tablecloths and some flowers and make this feel like a fun space for fall gathering? Another option is if you live in a subdivision, often those have public gathering areas or like a common clubhouse that you could use. So I think there's other options. If you just think outside the box, then I have to do this in my house or yard. So maybe you have construction going on or you're for some reason your house is not available. But let's not let the roadblock be that your space is not good enough or it's not pretty enough because I pretty much guarantee that you can make it awesome. 
But if you can't do it in like full fresh air, say you or you have really, really cold weather coming through, which I would also argue can still work as long as you have fires. Um, and that's super fun too, to even ask people to bundle up and you have campfires going. But if the weather is truly an issue or it's really going to be raining or thunderstorming, obviously you need a covered location. So the next best option other than going inside would be to just find a covered option that's safe, like a garage or a porch with outside access and access to fresh air. Um, But please don't not do this gathering because of the setting. If you have to do it inside a house, great. Um, I would just love for you to add the outside element if you can make it possible. So let's talk about some fun table setting ideas. Um, My style is very bohemian, mismatched, um, using whatever you have on hand, lots of flowers, lots of natural elements. So here are a couple things that you can do. Um, Mismatched fabric napkins. We have been doing this since the beginning of our farm dinners. The napkins are not even sewn at the edge. They're all different fabrics that all kind of go together but do not match. And I love them so much. So if you need napkins, it is fun to have fabric napkins. That's just a way to like make it step up a little bit. But if we're doing a really big gathering outside with like tons of kids and people, We'll just do paper napkins, you know, and you can even get some festive ones to make it more fun. You can do real utensils or we have the compostable utensils. I think they're made of some kind of corn product. Real or paper plates. So we love these bamboo plates um, that we get online, which can be burned in the campfire when you're done, which is also really fun. And they also feel a little bit more special than paper plates. So it kind of depends on the vibe that you're going for for this. Do you care about having a little bit nicer plates or nicer utensils? I think ultimately it doesn't matter, but if you're wanting to set a certain vibe, then you can think through these details and think about how you can maybe elevate it a little bit more in a way that's doable. And then if you're doing a group dinner, um, I think this works for a group around like 10 to 12 people. Have everyone bring a real plate to eat on, and then you set the table with everyone's own plates from their home. I mentioned this, I think, in the first part of this series, that when we did the dinner photo shoot for my book here on the farm um, in the middle of our field, I had everybody that was coming to the photo shoot bring a plate from their home, and I loved how it looked in the pictures. So obviously, you might not be doing this for a photo shoot, but it is a fun thing to do, I think. Um, Just it's really symbolic to have people bring something from their home and contribute it to the overall whole and to see how they're all unique and special. And once again, it's something else that people can do to contribute. At other dinners, I've had, instead of like a tablecloth, I've just put a giant roll of butcher paper all the way down the middle of the table. You can do white butcher paper or the brown butcher paper and put out like crayons and markers. Even adults love to draw on those, okay? And then you can save that runner as a keepsake of the night. As far as including kids, I've talked about this before too, but it's okay to include kids at the big table. They don't have to be at a kid table. But just think about your particular gathering and if you're going to have kids and what vibe you want there. I think sometimes kids love having their own table and that's super fun for them. So we often do that at our gatherings just because they love hanging out and almost like having their own special dinner at their table. Um, So it really depends on what you want to do, but just think through that element as well. Now let's talk about setting up the gathering. So here is the most important thing that I want to remind you of, and I read this out of my book in a previous episode, The Way of Kindred, okay? 
The Way of Kindred says that you do not have to set up this perfect curated experience and then unveil it as people walk through the door. That is not what we're doing. We're not entertaining here, okay? What you're doing is creating a space for people to connect in a natural way. And that includes doing things together with the people who are coming. Every time we have a big friend gathering here, we don't even have it all set up when people arrive. So people know by now that they come and help set up if they can. That means pulling out all the chairs from our storage shed, setting up the tables, getting all those mismatched tablecloths together, um, putting out flower bouquets or um, helping bring out food and helping bring out the utensils. That's a group effort. And honestly, it's such a fun part of the evening to add that extra hour or so where you're all kind of working together and doing this fun thing together. It is an awesome way to involve kids of all ages. I mean, from like toddlers all the way up to teenagers have a role that they can play in helping set it up. And then how special it is when you finally get to sit down and enjoy the meal and look back on the entire evening, which included everybody having a part in it. So just remember that you do not have to have this all together by the time people arrive. You know, if you're inviting over people who you don't know very well, maybe never been to your house before, um, maybe not requiring them to help set up, but I bet they would love to have a role in something in the kitchen, assembling something on a plate, putting together a charcuterie board, slicing something up for a salad, um, even putting out drinks. People love to have something to do when they are showing up because once again, it goes back to that vulnerability piece. It's vulnerable to show up at someone's home and it feels good to have something to do and to feel like you're contributing in some way. The last thing I want you to think about with your setting is good music. It has to happen, you guys. Um, So in the show notes, I will include some links to some of my and Steven's favorite fall dinner playlists. Um, We have them on Apple Music, but you can easily look at the song list and create your own in, in Spotify. And these are the actual playlists that we play at our own friend gatherings and even at our kindred dinners. I hope that you enjoy those. They'll create such a fun fall vibe for you. And just to wrap up this part of the episode about your space, I just want to remind you one more time, your space is good enough. Put some care into it, put some heart into it, and open your space up to people. People will feel that. They'll feel your heart behind it. So think again of that friend you might want to send this episode to, and I hope you'll do that now as we wrap up. I cannot wait to see what you guys do with these fall gatherings, and I can't wait to hear the stories that you have to tell. Okay, so here's your assignment for this episode. I want you to jot down five to 10 ideas of what you can do for your setting for your fall gathering. What vibe do you want it to have? What do you want the space to look and feel like? And what resources do you already have that you can use? Also look outside your home. What do you have around you? Do you have tree branches that you could cut and put in a vase for a cool setting? Do you already have twinkle lights, like maybe Christmas lights that you have stored up that you could use for this? Even goldenrod or wildflowers on the side of the road are abundant right now in so many different climates. I just know that you have resources that you can use or even pool together with your friends to make this gathering awesome. Then join me next week for part four in the series where we are going to explore the food. Finally, we're getting to the food. I'll have lots of great ideas for you and even a sample menu that you can use. So stay tuned for that. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm so excited that you're here for this series and I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Kindred Life Podcast. I want you to know that your Kindred Life is worth it and I'm cheering you on. If you love this episode, please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star review so other people can find this podcast. You can always find me online at christinemariebailey.com, where you can also join my email community, The Kindred Letter, so you don't miss a thing. You'll also get several freebies for signing up for my email list, including the first chapter of my audiobook and some fun free guides. You can also follow along on Instagram at organic and at the Kindred Farm. See you next time.